Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. That face you see there briefly wasn't Ed Morrissey. That is Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, at A.H. Malcolm on the Twitters is the regent of redstate.com. As always with us at the uh, on Tuesdays, and it's 2023, but the same traditions continue. Happy New Year to you. Same to you and to everybody here. Well, I think it's been a... Um, it's been an interesting holiday um, this year uh, because I don't know, just so many different things going on. And uh, I mean, we got all sorts of things that we can talk about. We're going to talk about both of Andrew's new um, pieces up at redstate.com. Uh, and, uh, but you know, this is the day after new year's and there's a couple of things that are still going on from last year. One is whether or not Kevin McCarthy is going to be actually get the votes <laughs> to be speaker, which yeah. I think is one of the dumbest Um <laughs> intra-party clashes that i've seen in a very long time mainly yes, because sure. i wouldn't want to be speaker with a with a five-seat majority would you want to be speaker with a five-seat majority i wouldn't want to be speaker with a 400-seat majority i i i can't stand uh living in washington jeez uh the um i i i wrote when i when i uh when i wrote about that i said it, it you don't have to worry about it number one the media will cover it like crazy because it's republicans fighting they won't do it if it's democrats but if it's republicans fighting they love that and two it's kind of like high school when uh stamp club was electing a president you know if you're not in the stamp club who cares it's right <laughs> This, this yeah. is sort of my point. Nobody outside of the Beltway cares. That's exactly right. But yeah. but the but the Washington media has to show that they were at work today. And you know, when I started blogging, which was after you, but a long time ago, there was a guy in the print part of the LA Times who said, You mean you would actually post an item just because you thought people wanted to read it? <laughs> and I said, well, I said, you bet your sweet ass, John. How's the Sunday circulation? Uh, but most of the stories that you see, or a lot of the stories that you see in major metropolitan dailies, is some arcane thing at City Hall, which nobody cares about. They didn't put it in. They've showed it. They put it in because the reporter and the editor wanted to show they were at work yesterday. It, it it's like a pharmacist handing out medicine. Nobody nobody pays attention, you know. And yeah. and it 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 they do it all the time. It's as if if you're on Twitter, you think that the whole world cares about the New York Yankees or the Washington Commodores. You know, I mean, it, it just because it's their team or the Washington baseball people, whatever that is, and it's it's so in you know it's like well we're in the in club at the lunch at lunch hour we're at the in proud table so uh we're going to tell you about it because we know you're interested and they're not and they're, they're just showing their irrelevance and um business is bad for them the washington post has lost over a half million digital subscribers just in the last year right Right. Look, I mean, I, I think that 
there may be some consequence to this to this you know tension if republicans had even a you know a a a one in a million chance of passing any meaningfully conservative legislation in this session, but they don't Democrats control the Senate Democrats control the white house. The, 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 what is it? Nine person, or I think there's varying estimates about how many people are going to vote against Kevin McCarthy because he's not conservative enough, maybe up to 15 people. Those 15 people couldn't get their legislation passed. Even if one of them was speaker anyway, yeah, <laughs> even exactly. If passed, even exactly. if in the House, it would go nowhere. It would go absolutely this, nowhere. The, the Freedom Caucus guys, they're they're so. All of them. I mean, it's this. This is a subset of the Freedom Caucus. I mean, the Freedom Caucus yeah. is like 30, 35 people. But I mean, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise are part of the um, Freedom Caucus, and they're both backing uh, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, I just don't yeah. even understand this. Well, the, you know, there's always a small clique, well, not always, but when the Republicans have the House, there's often a small clique. They're the ones that held up the tax cuts for, for President Trump. Just to show that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I don't know. I, uh, you know, the speaker's job is important. It sets the entire agenda. But as you point out, Whatever agenda Kevin McCarthy or Steve Scalise or whomever uh, sets up is not going anywhere outside the house. So, yeah, I think my my moment of frustration. I wrote about it this morning. We're doing this on Monday. I wrote about it this morning because I got really frustrated watching um, Representative Bob Good's interview with uh, Griff Jenkins at Fox News, and he's saying, "Wait until the second ballot, then then a name will emerge." Because Griff Jenkins says, "Well, if not Kevin McCarthy, who is it?" Because Andy Biggs is not going to get more than the fifteen votes you've got right now. Andy Biggs is is just not the person who's going to do this. Andy Biggs ran against McCarthy in the leadership elections a few weeks ago and got clobbered by McCarthy, one eighty eight yeah. to whatever whatever else. I remember McCarthy had one hundred eighty eight votes. And Bob Good says, well, wait to the second ballot and then you'll see the name emerge. And he says, well, why not say it now? It's tomorrow is the is the vote. <laughs> and the guy says, well, then he, Bob Good says, well, then he'd be, you know, subject to all the, you know, criticism. Oh, and give me a like, break. Like, so if he's if he's scared of that, <laughs> <laughs> why would he make a good speaker again? Maybe somebody can explain this one to me. If he's scared to be um to have outed. his name yeah. out, out there the day before this vote. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, look, there's only 222 of these people. We know who the 222 people are. So it's one of them, unless they're, unless, unless good. And these guys are, are going to seriously try to get Donald Trump elected as, um, as house speaker, which is nutty. Um, and it will, and it will never happen either. Um, you know, this is just, this is oh, so crazy. insanely performative. Republicans yeah, have performative. Yep. That's the word. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's good because without that, um, well, the media has the storm, but without that, what would everybody be, uh, be writing about on a holiday weekend? Yeah. Well, true. I mean, so I wrote about that was my VIP. I was really pissed. It was like <laughs> Ed's Ed's on it today, folks. Yeah, it's I'm the really, new year. 
and he's not fooling around. I'm just as cranky as I was last year. Maybe crankier. I don't know. I got to call Cranky T-Rex and get him get a uh, get a measure on my crankiness. But I mean, that just really annoyed the hell out of me. And, you know, there's only there's really only one task that Republicans have. Well, two. One is to block Chuck Schumer's progressive agenda, which will maybe sort of get out of the Senate and go nowhere in the House. Um, and the other is to investigate the Biden administration's handling of uh, the border, handling of Afghanistan, you know, r- really expose some of the things that are going on in the Biden administration, the incompetence at the very least, maybe corruption as well. Those are the things that a Republican House can do when they don't control anything else, right? Yeah. Kevin McCarthy's perfectly capable of handling that. <laughs> I mean, there's there's really no... What else is what else is he going to do? I mean, you know, uh, you know somebody, somebody, somebody didn't invite somebody to the birthday party. That's exactly uh, what it is. It's a pissing. Yeah. This is exactly yeah. what it is. And I mean, we've talked about it for a while because you and I are deeply immersed in this. You've you already gave the best objection to this is that nobody gives a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Just get the business. I mean, stop screwing around and do what the voters sent you there to do. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. All right. We got to talk. I'm done venting about my pet peeve of the day. Let's talk about <laughs> Andrew's pet peeves today. Um, I want to get to the prediction one last because I haven't seen that one yet. So I, 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 want you to, I want you to give us a taste of that. But I really enjoyed your other column, unless stopped. The left is dismantling American values one at a time. I actually think they're multitasking on this front, but I'm willing to concede the one at a time thing. Tell us a tell us a little bit about yeah. how the left is. Actually well, you know, there's there's this school district in uh, in Virginia that um, I think needs investigating by the Republican legislature there, but uh, where the principal and the director of student uh, activities or something. Uh, decided on their own some years ago to not tell all the recipients of this once respected high school who won national merit awards. They just didn't tell them. And there, I guess over these past five or six years, uh, there's been hundreds of them who never knew and they could have got used them on their college applications. They could have uh, applied for uh, national merit scholarships. Uh, and apparently national merit only tells the school. So they put them in a drawer. And the reason, oh, this is so woke. The reason is they didn't want to hurt the feelings of the other 2000 students who didn't get on yeah, just- national merit. I mean, Seriously? So I I talk about venting. So I vented because this is what America's always been based on is celebrating exceptionalism and giving everyone the opportunity, the opportunity, not the guarantee, to achieve as much as they could or wanted. And there's a whole hundreds of these kids who were screwed out of it. I mean, boy, if oh, and a lot of them apparently were Asian backgrounds so if if that's not a a lawsuit in waiting but of course the doj is only interested in going after donald trump so i just i just had had it there 
And um, when you start going back through it, you know, I mean, I live in a little town in Tennessee, uh, and every June for an entire month or six weeks, they put oversized portraits of the high school graduates, one at a time, one on each lake post across downtown, celebrating the achievement of graduating from high school, which is a big deal here. Yeah. Um, and uh, rightly, they're not concerned about the people who dropped out. And I don't think the dropouts are concerned either. Probably not that many of them, but what do they care? Unless they drive through downtown and say, oh, there's a classmate. It's um, in big ways and little ways, we celebrate achievement in this country, or we have. And now the left is trying to um, squeeze it out one at a time. Well, you know, I got to say, this is not really new, right? I mean, this taking it to that extreme, that's new. But I mean, I remember when I was in high school, Andrew, and this was, you know, in the days where we, you know, sharpened wood, you know, wood sticks and, and scorched <laughs> them in the fire so that we could scratch out, you know, our, our, our times tables on, on papyrus. Um, or something yeah. effect, I don't know. Um, it was, a, it was 40 something years ago. And I remember that they started issuing around that time. I think I was still in high school. They started issuing. I, I, do I want to say that they were attendance <laughs> certificates? So if you didn't graduate from high school, you could at least have something that showed that you went through high school. <laughs> sort of yeah. like, sort of like your non-graduation diploma is kind of what it was, right? Um, you got well, you know they do that on Facebook, Ed. They do it on Facebook. They don't. You it doesn't when you put in your resume, it doesn't say graduated from such and such a college. It says attended. Well, that was me. <laughs> I attended a few colleges. No, but I mean, or attended high schools. It doesn't say you graduated. Yeah. So they were kind of starting to do that about the time that I was getting out of high school. Um, Boy, they didn't do that when I was in high school. No, no, no. If you didn't graduate, you just, you're out of luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember, I remember announcing that I think there were five or eight or something of the National Merit uh, Scholars, one at a time. And they all went down, called them up one at a time yeah. in the auditorium, and they each got thunderous applause. They did that they should. too. And it and, wasn't me. Um, and yeah, I wasn't <laughs> one of them. No, neither was I. But, um, you know, this, and I was reflecting on this the other day, right? Which was that when you were in high school, when I was in high school, there was a tremendous social pressure to not perform, right? I mean, wouldn't really? the other kids resented you if you blew the if you blew the curve, you know, if if you if you got if you excelled, other students would get jealous and get, you know, mad at you. Oh, was, there's, I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, well, I do. Well, I, I'm I mean, older I, than you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm going to let that one go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> you're a little older than I am, um, but um, a lot older. Yeah lot older um but at any rate you know you still had your parents you still had the adults in the school who were willing to celebrate your achievement so at least you had some sort of emotional support for achievement they're stripping even that away they're basically <laughs> the school is basically joining the rest of the slackers in in at the very least ignoring and disincentivizing achievement by its own students i mean to me that's 
that's a real betrayal of the people who are there to really work hard, to really excel. That wasn't me, by the way, but the people who did, you know, maybe at the time you're going, oh God, they blew the, you know, oh, she's such a brainiac. He's such a brainiac. Um, but, you know, looking back on it, it's like, wow, you know, those people were really smart. They really applied themselves. Some of them were good friends of mine who yeah. wondered why I wasn't doing the same thing. <laughs> But but nonetheless, some of them were very good friends of mine, and I was always happy for their success. Um, and that yeah. that to me is the school is making it look like you're some sort there's something wrong with you if you're achieving they're embarrassed to to tell you that you've achieved. That to me is a huge betrayal of these students. I don't I don't, I don't uh, get it unless they're trying to destroy what what is American. I, I I had a black coworker, a wonderful woman in in Chicago who grew up in a smaller Michigan city, and she said that uh, there was a lot of pressure from fellow blacks that if you excelled, uh, you were being too white. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before too, which is nonsense, right? But I mean, and that's been that is that used to be. People would say that's not true. That's selling people short. Now it's almost, uh, you know, been adopted as the cultural standard is that, you know, punctuality is is racist. And, and I mean, it's just nonsense. We are yeah. we are working very hard to disincentivize achievement in this culture. And we're going to wind up with a with a mediocre uh, culture and a, a mediocre. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, and it's hard to it's hard to turn that around yeah it's very hard to turn that around yeah um i just wish it was harder to turn around the good way yeah yeah you know again i think if you got schools to i think if parents took more of an interest in what their school boards were doing you'd see less of this and that's what's happening in places like florida and virginia right in texas yeah. too for that matter is that is that parents have discovered this stuff going on and have decided that they're going to take the bull by the horns and deal with the bull. I yeah. Yeah. We're putting it. Uh, it's, not the, <laughs> it's, it's not the only way in which the left is destroying values, but I mean, that's a good place to start. And it's, it's a good place to start literally because that's the, you know, primary education is the place where they are starting. Right. I mean, that's, and we've yeah. seen with the transgender stuff, we've seen this, uh, with all of these different things where the public the public school system is being set up as a indoctrination for you know this progressive idea of subjective uh truth and yeah. uh, well actually you know um what's the, i'm trying to reach for a term here and i can't think of it right now but basically um um oh gosh i can't think of it. the the opposite of objective truth is um some relativity i'm trying to think of um i'm trying to think of um the abs uh, uh, the term that i usually use for this but i mean that's that's become the norm we're not teaching objective truth yeah. we're, we're, we're teaching yeah. uh, and when you and when you look at american history uh it was shaped i list in there some of the inventors and the strange people who may have been mocked in high school or in this in their one-room schoolhouse for being so smart and achieving but uh, the way we live has been formed by it. Um, and they were celebrated and actually became rich. You know, uh, there was a just a real quick story. If you want to read 
uh, wonderful book. There's a trilogy by Daniel Boorstin, who was the librarian of Congress for a while. I think the University of Chicago. He did a trilogy called The Americans. The Americans, the colonial experience, the democratic experience, and the national experience. To my mind, the second one, the um, democratic experience, is is one of the best books that I've ever read. And he's a social historian, hardly mentions presidents in politics, but how things changed. And one of the things he does is is celebrate or at least highlight uh, people. There was a railroad station agent in Wisconsin who saw there was a box left over for many months, never picked up. He opened it up and it was watches. Nobody claimed it. So he put them out for sale and they... Boom, they went like that. He said, hmm, I may have come upon something. So he started ordering watches and sell them. Now, who needs watches until there was a railroad, right? Right, right, yeah. You you could be in one town and think that it's 1210, and 20 miles away, you could think that it's 130. It doesn't matter until the sun goes down. Um, But if you have a train and a schedule and you have to catch it or or stay on it, you need a you need a watch. So he started buying watches and riding trains and selling the watches. And it was a box office, land office business. And um, so he took it and ran with it. His name was Alvis Sears, Sears Roebuck. That's how he got started. Yeah, he's the guy who invented Amazon would be nothing without him. He's the guy who invented mail order. And uh, there were dozens of people like that in American history who shaped the country and the way we live today. We don't even know it uh, because of that. And they were celebrated and enriched by their achievements. And uh, like you, I'm worried that uh, that might be going away. Yeah, that just seems to start off a whole other thing about uh, about watches. And but yeah, you're right, though, about the idea that who needed a watch before the railroad? I mean, you really didn't. Um, no. So yeah, I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna blame that on the railroads. Now you have to have a watch. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> no, that that's why I noticed my son wasn't wearing a watch. One of my sons, and he said, "Well, I I have a cell phone." I go, "Oh my god, you don't look at your wrist when you want to know the time." <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've, I, I've stopped wearing a watch. I'll wear, I'll, I'll, I have a watch that I wear on, you know, nice occasions. But for the most part, I've stopped wearing it for the same reasons. Like, really? well, I got myself yeah. on my most of the time anyway, so why not? Um, or I'm sitting in front of computers like this, or the clocks all over the place. Well, you know, and if I was in politics, I would, and it was a big event, like a presidential debate or whatever, I would have the candidate take his watch off. Because you remember George H.W. Bush and Joe Biden? And Joe Biden did it at the memorial service for the people that he got killed in Afghanistan, where, you know, they're bringing the bodies by and he's looking at his watch. Oh, you know, it's it's instinctive. But stop it. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're not going to leave now. It doesn't matter. And, you know, something else I've, I've noticed, Ed, just for fun. If you see someone look at their watch and then put it down and then say to them, what time is it? Inevitably, they have to look at their watch. Look at the watch again. Yeah. Because they're not looking to see exactly what time it is. They're looking to see about what time. It's not for it's not time for me to be on with Ed. So 
But if someone said to me, what time is it? I think they want precise. So I have to look again. Well, <laughs> I, I should note at this point in time that Andrew was actually um, uh, Andrew was actually in, in the uh, Zoom room before I was. So that's right. That's correct. I was. I was. And I was preparing to text Ed and ask, um, you know, Statler and Waldorf, where are you? Why aren't you here now? Where the hell are you? So, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was me. Yeah, I was uh, I well, was I'll let you I get was... back to your phone, Ed. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let's talk about your other thing. The predictions for 2023. I haven't had a chance to see your predictions yet. Well, so... I'm not going to give them all because there were some big ones, but uh, I will hint at them. Uh, I was looking at the politics and I was one of the predictions, which is not rocket science, is that uh, 2023, first of all, it's an odd numbered year, so it's not going to be good. I hate odd numbered years. <laughs> but but uh, 2023, uh, the dominant story, I think, is going to be the jockeying for president. We've already had the earliest presidential campaign announcement ever right. uh, back in October with Donald Trump. Um Everyone expects Ron DeSantis to do it. I don't think he's going to do it until after maybe summer, till after his legislature is over, because he's got to look like he's being governor, which is a good thing. Um, and a little bit about what they would say uh, at each other. Uh, Trump is already attacking DeSantis. I mean, it's strange. Trump is attacking Republicans. All the ammo that's just sitting there, the, the fruit that's ripe for the picking uh, with Joe Biden and his uh, posse. Uh, and uh, Trump is going after Republicans like Mitch McConnell and, and Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's going to be it. And allegedly, I think he's coming back uh, today, which is Monday. Uh, Joe Biden was on another vacation at another borrowed billionaire's house on another island um, in um, uh, the Virgin Islands at this time, instead of Martha's Vineyard, uh, allegedly thinking about whether he's going to run again. Of course, he's going to run again. Um, uh, he's already decided that. Uh, and I had a prediction about what his decision is going to be is that he's going to run. But uh, I uh, had a prediction about who will be the nominee, and I don't believe it will be Joe Biden, and I don't believe it will be Vice President Word Salad. <laughs> um, well, let me give you a couple predictions just off the top of my head for 2023, Andrew. And by the I way, can, you can I right can see them already, Ed, on the top of your head. Right there, right? So that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, that's just me being transparent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. By yeah. the way, go to redstate.com to, to, to watch um, uh, Andrew's VIP um, uh, uh, or read Andrew's VIP um, column on his predictions. Here are a few predictions that I have for 2023. Okay. Um, one Republicans will find a way to embarrass themselves over a stupid fight right off the bat. Oh, wait a minute. That's already coming true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, golly. Okay. Um, the government's going to spend too much money. <laughs> okay. Sometime. Well, 
I know I gotta this write this down. Better. Wait a minute. I gotta write this down. Yeah, okay. Too much money. Yeah. Uh the media will run with a narrative that turns out to be entirely false. It'll be a major narrative that turns out to be entirely false. <laughs> now I know this that one's a little difficult to believe because it's only happened every year since time began. But <laughs> And then I predict that Andrew and I are going to have like maybe like three podcasts tearing it apart and having all sorts of fun with it. Oh um, yeah. Uh, but I will say this: this is actually a prediction. This is not tongue in cheek. I actually think that sometime during this year, Donald Trump's going to withdraw from the um, from the uh, Republican um, primary. I think I think at some point this year, he withdraws or the campaign closes. I don't think yeah. I don't think his campaign actually makes it out of 2023. That's my prediction for this year. Well, that's a very strong prediction. I I'm sure that something like that, I'm not like you. I predict that something like that will happen. And you know, you know what he could do. This is in the column too. But he could say, you know what, uh, and he could blame it on age and the media or whatever. Uh, like you. Uh, I've, I've, I set the scene for a successful 2024 with and then go through his achievements, energy ind independence and tax cuts and all the millions of jobs and crushing ISIS and rebuilding the military and so on and say, but, you know, it takes a younger guy and um, he could e either endorse somebody um, or and I hope he does better than he did in the midterms uh, or um he could just be a kingmaker and say it's time for a younger person a younger republican and let them fight it out i think you're right ed um i'm just not sure it'll happen in 2023 i think he wants something more convincing but he's got to frame it like it's him not not right. against pushing him out no I, I agree with that i think he has to be able to say this was entirely my idea i will say one other thing too this was a story that came up Yesterday, I think it was on Sunday, I think he posted something on Truth Social where he's trying to shift blame away from, you know, from the midterm failures and he shifted blame onto the pro-lifers. Um, yeah, what is that? I will tell you this. And I know I, David Strom is writing a post right now. I think it's going to go up on Tuesday about this and, uh, you know, sort of a WTF sort of thing. A lot of people are WTFing. The pro-life people are really unhappy with him about this. I actually don't think he's entirely wrong about this. I don't think he's, I don't think he's entirely right about it, but I actually don't think he's entirely wrong about this um, because I think Republicans did screw that up. Um, and we were trying to, and we were warning, don't jump right into this, right? It's an, first off Dobbs came in an election year. There's plenty of time to parse through this and figure out where people want you to go. Don't jump to the extremes and Republicans jumped to the extremes. And then when they got burned by that, they just simply stopped talking about abortion and said, well, that's not what voters care about. Well, clearly voters cared about it. Um, so to that extent, I think he's right. I mean, there were a lot of reasons why Republicans stepped on their own whatever you know, tongues, let's just say, uh, <laughs> in the midterms this year. Trump was a big was a big factor in that, but he wasn't the only factor. And I do think that he's got a point in saying that Republicans really screwed up the abortion issue this year, and that had an impact on it. Um, yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's the main reason they lost, but I think it was a big contributing factor. And yeah. I think, yeah. 
to some extent yeah. you have to you have to give the man his due he's actually correct about this even if he's the other factor that was the problem um, exactly well and remember in 2016 out of 17 republican candidates he was the only one i keep coming back to this because it's so powerful the the rookie politician was the only one to tap into all the anger and frustration in the heartland uh over washington all the others were of washington in one way or new york in one way or another and who, who would you least expect to tap into that to see it and hear it but a billionaire from fifth avenue i i it was uh, just i would never have thought of that but he did and he ran with it and he stuck with it now i see like you just mentioned uh, some of the um evangelicals are uh, peeling away from him saying it's time for somebody else and how could you run against an 82 year old with a 78 year old when you've got a, a field in their 40s and 50s so yep look i mean i i think i think he might have accelerated that process with these comments because they weren't terribly articulate and um well, and neither was the dinner with uh what's his name the the uh anti-semite and the and the right oh yeah i mean, guy, I mean that's, that was that was way worse that was way worse than these comments i mean the nick and Quinn and suspending the constitution for him only you know yeah. i mean that it's almost like he doesn't want to get the nomination in yeah. milwaukee sometimes it kind of does seem that way yes yeah um, yeah but at, but at any rate you know i, I think that um this is a um um I think that I, I think that people are overreacting to this a bit, in part because he's proving to be so unpopular now, even among activists, which is a change. And I think he's worked himself into a position where basically anything he says is pissing off the people that he really needs if he's planning on running again, which is the yeah. reason why I'm really thinking that at some point this thing's going to collapse under its own weight and they're just going to have to shut it down. This is completely apart from the idea that he might get indicted for something that would preclude him from running for office or, you know, that sort of thing. I'm just saying that he's sort of shooting himself in the foot over the last several, really last yeah. several months. Well, and his his, be, his behavior during that term often shot him in the foot. You know, they'd have an agenda for the week and he'd go off on some other tangent and just ruin it. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, he he's not very disciplined in that sense in the no. sense of keeping his eye on the goal he was very disciplined i mean who was doing three and four rallies in three and four different states during the campaign and when the other guy was knocking off by 10 or 11 in the morning yep no i completely agree with that um and he's got the energy for it even at 70 he's 76 now he's Six, at yeah um but you can't count on that lasting either not at not at that age so no. um, yeah I, I i suspect that this thing's going to spin down to a conclusion uh and it's already spinning um on the basis of these remarks as well i just want to point out though that he's not really entirely wrong about this he may not have put it very well but he's not entirely wrong about this that was, <laughs> that was actually a, a fairly significant contributing factor and if republicans don't wise up to that um you know that you can't leave an argument on the table if the other side is discussing it and voters care about it. I mean, even 
even Republicans voters, Republican voters cared about it. They've cared about it for decades. They cared about it enough to make the Supreme Court one of the most important parts of presidential elections, specifically over Roe v. Wade. So yeah. it's not as though uh, it's not as though the, the Republicans didn't have an argument to make. They just didn't make it because they felt it was cheaper to keep their mouths shut. And this is what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I so. Yep. All right. But you know what else I'm going to predict? What's and, that, Ed? I'm going to predict that in 2023, you're going to have a few jokes of the week for our party. Oh, boy, bingo. You really hit the nail on the head, Ed. Oh, I there just, you go. I just happened to do it. I'm a these, are old, these are older ones, but the Saturday Night Live had a good one. They said a two-year-old Pennsylvania girl was trapped uh, after clawing her way into a toy crane vending machine. Fire, she's okay. Firefighters got her out safely, but it took like nine dollars in quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, you know, that um, happens more than once. I think it happened. I, yeah. I know when Saturday Night Live that you said it's a little on the old, I think it's just it's the last couple of days it happened again, right? Yeah, well, I've seen it with cats in there just looking out like, um, hello, really. Um, so Jimmy Fallon said that uh, President Trump was the third U.S. president to be impeached, Bill Clinton in 99, 98, and Andrew Johnson in 1868. Uh, this is really interesting. Not many people know this. Back in 1868, Andrew Johnson was impeached for trying to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, and succeeded, by the way. He succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Conan said that historians now think that the Egyptian pharaoh Ramses III was actually murdered 3,000 years ago. Police say the prime suspect is Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> or Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, well, it's good to be back with you, Ed. I hope you had That's, a good holiday. Uh, I did. I did and, as well. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I hope our yeah. I hope all our I hope all our viewers and listeners had great holidays. Uh, and better. it's great to be back too. It's great to be back. Yeah. Well, uh, and hopefully the country will stop reeling from our absence. Yeah, I know it was a real. You know, the long national nightmare is over. Andrew and Ed are back on Tuesday. <laughs> Waldorf and Statler are here. <laughs> We're back. We're back. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thanks so much for being with us. He is the prince of Twitter at A.H. Malcolm, the regent of redstate.com. <laughs> and uh, we do this once a week, folks. So stick around. Come back. Join us every week as we uh, as we per peruse and pursue. Uh, stay tuned for one last message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Thank you for watching or listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and through the Town Hall Media Player or you can just come to hotair.com and watch my podcast for free. However, I'd also 
love to have you join us as members of our VIP and VIP Gold programs. That allows us to defeat the stranglehold that big tech has on information and get you the best information that we possibly can. Plus, we have a lot of new value-added content coming to us from Town Hall Media uh, stars and my good friend Adam Baldwin. He and I are doing the video series, The Amiable Skeptics. It's one hour of discussion a week strictly for our VIP and VIP Gold members. Plus, we have our VIP Gold chat with Kem Edwards every Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 p.m. We'd love to have you as members. Be sure to join up. Thanks again for watching the Ed Morrissey Show podcast.